Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate product people. I'll be talking to thought leaders and practitioners in and around product management to help you build the right products and build them right. If that sounds like the sort of thing you're into, let's develop that relationship. You can head over to onenightinproduct.com after this, where you can sign up to the mailing list, subscribe on your favourite podcast app, or follow the podcast on your favourite social media platform and guarantee you never miss another episode again. On tonight's episode, we get technical and wonder if learning how to write Hello World in Python is really going to help product managers bond with their engineering counterparts. We reflect about what being technical really means, why it's important, how far you should go, and what you should focus on to give you the greatest chance of success. We also ponder a glorious future where hiring managers don't ask people who will never have to code in their day jobs to do a coding exercise in an interview, and wonder why they even started doing that in the first place. For all this and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So, my guest tonight is Irene Yu. Irene's a former graphic designer turned software developer turned company founder and educator. Irene started coding at 10 and has worked at a glittering array of tech companies, including up-and-coming everything store Amazon, before getting bored explaining basic architectural diagrams to confused product managers and setting up Skip Level, which is aiming to help product managers and non-tech startup founders become more technical, so they can understand the trade-offs of technical decisions before presumably ignoring them anyway. Hi, Irene. How are you tonight? Hey, Jason. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. No problem. So first things first, you are the founder and lead mentor at Skip Level. So for the record, what problem does Skip Level solve for me? Oh, boy, where do I start? Well, I created Skip Level as the go-to place for non-engineering tech professionals to learn the technical skills and knowledge that they need to succeed in tech and to feel more confident, most importantly, to feel more confident. Yeah. So, you know, first, lots of professionals that work in tech who aren't devs don't actually have a technical background. So many of them come from a business or a marketing background, and they're kind of just thrown into the pit of fire to kind of figure it out <laughs> themselves. And frankly, a lot of people struggle with that. And it's not that people don't yeah. want to learn or that they're lazy or something, right? It's just that there isn't really a good and easy place to actually learn technical skills and knowledge that's actually useful for the non-engineering tech role. So, you know, there's plenty of people who take a coding class, uh, which I talk about all the time, um, in order to be more technical. And that's actually the least effective way to become more technical. So most technical education that's available today were created for engineers. That means most of the technical education either go too deep into coding, into building, that it becomes confusing or it doesn't provide enough context on fundamental tech concepts, or they don't explain technical terms and lingo well enough, or just doesn't provide information that is actually useful for the non-engineering tech role that works with dev teams, but is not necessarily a dev themselves. So Skip Level is meant to be the safe place that helps professionals increase their technical chops in a way that's comprehensive and easy to follow. Yeah, that sounds good. And obviously, it's interesting. You know, I know we've both come from development backgrounds ourselves. And I'm thinking like, as you're talking about technical books of things like clean code and all these other types of books that you have there that are very much focusing on like the best way to write classes and the best way to just structure your code. And I guess what you're saying is that that's not really the best way for people to learn how to be technical at all. But do you think that those are kind of follow on books? 
from this type of thing or do you believe that really the goal is to get them to a certain point and then they kind of stop and do other product management stuff instead yeah i think that the ultimate goal is for them to be technical enough to be able to ask the right questions yeah and i know that sounds a little bit fluffy but let me explain (laughs) so every team and company does technology a little bit differently you know they architect their software a little bit differently they set up their infrastructure a little bit differently, uh, their shipping schedules are a little bit different, right? So the sign or the yardstick by which we measure someone who is technical is that they're able to go to any company, talk to anyone about a product, and that they're able to ask the right questions to then understand how technology is being done on that specific team or that product. So it's kind of like teaching someone to fish versus giving them the fish to feed them once, right? (laughs) <laughs> the second thing is that, you know, technology changes all the time. It changes very quickly. There's always something new coming out onto the market. There's always a new tool. There's always a new service. I mean, my head is spinning, right? But if you have <laughs> enough tech fundamentals and can understand tech lingo well enough, you can know what to Google and what questions to ask to understand what is this new tech and what problems it solves and how to speak about it. So. You know, learning technology, getting technical skills is actually a long game. Yeah. There's no magic bullet that will immediately make you a super senior engineer, right? It's really a combination of active learning and just by doing it, you know, through every single day working and building technology and working with dev teams. And Skip Lover is a really great precursor to kind of getting a head start in that learning process. So it might take someone three years to figure out what an API is and what are the components, right? Some directors of product management that I know never learn it. And that's something that you can actually learn in the skip level program in like 15 minutes. Well, there you go. I'll sign up tomorrow. (laughs) But is this then aimed primarily at product managers? I mean, we've talked about product managers already. And I know that we said an intro about startup founders as well. So is it really focused at that kind of person? Or do you think that this is just anyone in an organization that needs to have some kind of interaction with developers like salespeople and other types that maybe you wouldn't necessarily consider being the target for this sort of thing? Well, yes and no. The product management role works the closest with dev teams without having to code themselves. So the program was created with the product management role in mind. But it's really for anyone and all people that wants to feel more confident in their technical chops. So that means being able to speak, to think, to write, to communicate more technically and have a better understanding of what goes into building software, right? What's the proper way of building software? There are a lot of students in the Skip Level program that come from different backgrounds. So there's the non-technical startup founder that's very popular. Uh, I had one who was looking to hire a CTO and really didn't know what to look for when they were interviewing, right? Yeah. So even taking the first module on infrastructure and applications was really helpful for the person to be able to ask the right questions and also follow along when they actually get an answer and then ask more probing, you know, deep dive questions. There's uh, students in marketing, people who are copywriters, people who are in a more client-facing role, people in sales, people who are interviewing for a tech role who decide that they could really use better technical jobs. Yeah, it makes sense. And I can see that working for things like pre-sales with particularly technical products as well, kind of giving them that head start, like you say. But you started out as a developer yourself, as did I. 
You started programming at 10, as did I. So we're basically the same person already. <laughs> we're exactly the same, yes. Exactly the same in all ways, shapes and forms. But you obviously live <laughs> and breathe this stuff. But what was it that got you into programming in the first place? What got you sort of started at age 10 down that development path? <laughs> oh, man, what a blast from the past. <laughs> actually, it was because I was obsessed with my blog when I was a kid. And I actually started out my background in graphic and web design and then web development before I moved into software engineering. So before I wrote a single line of code, I actually learned how to use this design program called Jask Paint Shop. Not sure if you've heard of it. Yeah, Paint Shop Pro, right? Yep, Paint Shop Pro, yeah. There you go. I remember it fondly. Yeah, so this was in like the very early days of the web, like in the 1990s, before Photoshop really took the lion's share of the market. So I started doing web development in my teenage years because, you know, my blog just had to look amazing and it just had to be the best, you know. <laughs> And it turned out to be a really great childhood hobby because I started off my dev career doing web design and web development and just a lot of creative technology for ad agencies before I moved into uh, software engineering at larger companies. Right. And then you moved into those larger companies and into the world of software engineering and you've worked at a bunch, but obviously the most notable that you've worked at is Amazon. You know, we've all heard of Amazon. What sort of stuff are you working on at Amazon then as a developer there? Yeah, when I moved into software engineering, I actually started working at a personal finance company that helps people manage their money and get access to financial advice. So I was working on their front end application. I was mostly fixing bugs and working on continuous improvement tasks. Then I moved into the advertising org. And this was a really big jump because I went from working on simple front end applications to my team fully owning databases, infrastructure, and dealing with scaling. And, you know, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people visiting our software at any given moment. So scaling was definitely a big priority. Yeah. So I started building out the front-end application of an app that allows um, UI UX designers to build their own landing pages without the help of a dev. And then 10 months into my time, I actually moved into backend development. So I owned a product that lets customers schedule test drives with our card advertising partners like Audi and Mercedes for free. And actually, the first test drive campaign launched in the UK. Oh, there you go. Maybe I saw it. <laughs> yeah. Too bad you didn't get to take advantage of it because I thought it was an awesome campaign. <laughs> so then I was working at advertising. And then I moved into the internal documentation team and I built a lot of work on both the front end and on the back end. Yeah, and that's obviously really interesting, kind of traversing all of the different parts of the stack as well. So again, like back in, in my day when I was still developing stuff, I think having understanding of all the different parts of the of the stack and you know, the front end database, the architecture, the back end, that's obviously really helpful and maybe something that not all developers get to do and i think it's something that they all should do but it also feels like that's something that's really helpful for you from a kind of program perspective from a development of a training course type perspective if you're trying to bring someone up into this you you've kind of got that wide-ranging experience like did you find that that was really helpful in informing what should go into these training programs yeah definitely i mean my experience Definitely helped me a lot with the content and the course at skip level. I mean, I just learned a ton from some of the smartest engineers I've ever met. And I, I 10x as a dev, just like breathing the same air as them. 
Yeah, no, that's fabulous. And I guess one question then that I have to ask and thinking of maybe some of those brilliant devs that you've worked with and some of the people that you've learned from and some of the teams that you've been in. I mean, I think it is fair to say that not all developers have a reputation of being particularly patient with non-developers. Like some developers really look down on non-developers, to be honest, you know, like based on some of the people that I've worked with in the past. And they get kind of a little bit annoyed when people don't understand what they're talking about or can't talk to them on their terms. And you don't have to look too far on, say, Twitter or other social media platforms to see product managers digging at developers and developers digging at product managers and everyone kind of Yeah, just, it's so common. <laughs> yeah, turning their guns on each other and you know, ultimately they should be uniting against their real enemy, the salespeople, right? But the basic point is <laughs> right. that you've got this kind of dynamic and obviously that's not a dynamic that you subscribe to because you're trying to help yeah. people that are in that situation to become more technical. But what specifically then gave you the urge to step away from development and to cross that line and try to educate these people in such a constructive way? Because not all developers would have done that, right? Yeah, right. I started skip level when I was a dev. And when I was an engineer, I started uh, tech mentoring a product manager that had approached me and asked for help because she was really struggling with just working with us, like the engineering team. Yeah, And she couldn't keep up with discussions and she just felt very unconfident at work. And frankly, I can tell because some of the questions that she asked during technical meetings really show that she lacked a very basic understanding of software. Right. And you're totally right. You know, members on the team, devs on the team would get a little bit frustrated. So I started working with her to get her kind of up to speed on the software fundamentals. So I was meeting with her about twice a month and sitting with her during product ideation as she's coming up with ideas to kind of talk through the technical feasibility of what she's thinking about, like the product and the feature. And after working with her for a while, I distinctly remember that she was starting to ask much better questions during product engineering meetings. And through that, you know, that whole mentoring experience with her, I realized just how many people in tech struggle silently with low confidence because yeah. they don't understand how technology or software works and they don't really know how to communicate with devs, right? And I think that that's totally understandable because even if you're not a dev, you're still building software, right? So you're still a very important part of the team. Yeah. Now imagine how much better communication and collaboration would be if everyone was actually on the same page and speaking the same language. <laughs> And it was around this time that I realized that there weren't really resources out there to teach technical skills and, and concepts to non-engineering professionals, so product managers or designers or non-technical startup founders. Most people who want to and try to become more technical usually go for a coding class. Yeah. And after the coding class, they would tell me, you know, I just took this coding class in Python. And then they have no clue what to actually do with that information that they just learned, right? Yeah. So coding isn't really, it's not a very effective way to become more technical because it focuses on going very deep into a narrow vertical in software when really we should be focusing on having a breadth of knowledge throughout the software development lifecycle. So once I came to this realization that there weren't resources out there for people like this product manager that I had mentored, I knew I wanted to start working on building skip level. And also because it was really fun mentoring her. So, 
that's not a very developer attitude. But, <laughs> but I think that the point there is really valid. Like I've worked with product managers myself in my time and you know, seen product managers out and about in a community that maybe lack some of that background. And like you say, it's no problem for people to lack a background. It's completely understandable if they come through a different path, like if they've come from marketing or if they've come from customer success or they've come via some other path which hasn't really intersected with development that much. And obviously, it's very common if you think of big tech and you think of maybe some of the big fang companies or whatever fang is called now, all the companies are changing their names. That, <laughs> like they that that's kind of like the archetype right that you get these developers that then become product people or these developers that come founders but i guess the question that then arises off of that is you've obviously finished with that one person back then you taught that person what they needed to know and then you started skip level but as part of that did you start up a mini skip level program within amazon and start training other people there as well no I actually ended up mentoring one-on-one to product managers and seeing a similar result in both of them and seeing that they both started to be more confident during technical discussions. But actually, after tech mentoring the product managers, I started teaching the Skip Level program live on the weekend. So the early version of the Skip Level program, I taught it to professionals who didn't work on my team. And I taught them on the weekends. It was about five weeks, two to three hours per weekend. And uh, once I saw, yeah, that there was a real appetite to learn, a lot of people wanted to sign up and that people needed resources to help them learn. That's when I decided to go full steam ahead on skip level. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's obviously a little bit of kind of emergency market validation there as well, right? So you're starting to become a product manager yourself back at that point to start sitting <laughs> there and sort of doing that research and doing that yeah. almost like an MVP of the of the approach, which I think is which yeah. is obviously fabulous. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot about product management, just you know, working on skip level, but also talking to a lot of product managers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's fantastic, you know. But I guess one question I do have, and we've kind of touched on it a couple of times, this idea that coding isn't the way to learn to be technical, which is completely fair enough. And they have to learn a lot of other stuff, which again, is completely fair enough. But what kind of stuff are we specifically talking about? Like, like how deep do they go? Are they Kind of just getting an idea of different types of databases and what a CICD pipeline is, or are they going like mega ultra deep into some really hairy concepts and almost getting to the stage where they could become a entry level DevOps engineer? Like, how deep do they go into that? That's such an awesome question, Jason. <laughs> so I talked about going for breadth of knowledge over depth of knowledge, right? So going deep is going deep into coding, which is one vertical in the software development life process. But it's actually important to see actual demos of technical tools and concepts and even do some of that work yourself. Yeah. But so what's the actual philosophy of skip level? So if coding isn't going to actually make someone technical, what should they focus on instead? So I teach that they should be focusing on improving four specific technical skills. So what are the skills? So the first one is having a broad awareness of different technologies that are available in the industry, right? So for example, APIs, message queues, and job schedulers. And this kind of helps you with understanding the availabilities, but also the limits of technology. The second skill is understanding technical trade-offs. So as soon as a dev gets a feature or a requirement, they start immediately thinking about how to build it. So the things that are going through a dev's mind is, how do I build for maintainability? How do I make sure that this is secure, right? How do I make sure that this is reliable and flexible? 
How do I make sure that the system is fault tolerant? How would I build the system? So being able to think through these types of technical trade-offs will go a really long way in being able to empathize with devs. Yeah. And then there's the third one, which is being able to speak, communicate, and understand technical jargon. So this one's pretty obvious. The last skill is having a familiarity with the process of building software, also known as the SDLC, the Software Development Lifecycle. So understanding this process and all of the tools and concepts that are involved will help you understand how long it takes to build a feature and what could actually go wrong and how to speak about it. So these are the four skills that Skip Level aims to improve for students. None of them involve coding. <laughs> so I often use, you know, real life product scenarios in the video lessons to kind of explain how different technologies are used to tackle what types of product problems. I also do demos throughout the course to kind of show concepts like spinning up a MySQL database, querying a database, and then also other hands-on activities. So those hands-on activities are actually really popular with students because it allows them to actually do some of the work themselves along with questions that allow them to critically think. Yeah. Uh, so for example, in the module on data, students are given a product scenario and then asked to design the database schema and then create the actual database along with some mock data. You know, so going back to your original question, the course does go deeper where we need to in order to build more empathy and be able to visualize these technical concepts and be able to have a detailed conversation. But it never goes so deep that it becomes too confusing and really completely useless to the role. But the product managers, in your opinion, really need to be technical. Like if we go back to some of these interview guides that you see for product management jobs and you see all these, again, FANG or whatever it's called, companies sitting there and saying that you have to do either estimation questions, which isn't coding, or actual pseudo-coding or coding exercises within product management interviews to kind of get in and get the job. Now, what we've been speaking about so far has been very much about, well, that's not a good measure of a product manager. So do you really think that these people that are interviewing people like this are doing a good job in asking product managers to be pseudo-coders? Well, the short answer is no. I don't think it's fair at all to do coding interviews for product managers because and very simply because product managers aren't expected to code in the role, right? I mean, I mean, dev teams certainly do not expect product managers to ever code. Probably be their worst nightmare, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's already a nightmare for devs right? to have product managers <laughs> do it is just terrible. But, you know, I will just talk about why there are technical questions for PMs during interviews in the first place. Companies, especially big companies, want product managers that are technically skilled because they know what a difference that makes to work with a product manager that can communicate technically and understand what goes into actually building an app. And, you know, knowing that building an app is actually really hard. And sometimes it's just not as easy as, you know, yeah. just build it, you know, and having very hard, inflexible deadlines. <laughs> Dev teams work better with product managers that are technical because it cuts down on a lot of inefficient or frustrating communication. And technical product managers tend to write better requirements because they understand what devs have to go through in order to build something. So that's number one, why there are technical interviews for PMs at all. But I'll tell you why big tech companies do coding interviews for product managers. It's because the tech industry hasn't figured out a better way to test for technical skills during interviews. Yeah. So testing for whether a product manager can code is really just a proxy for whether this product manager is technically skilled. And this is a fallacy because coding and being technical, they're not synonymous. 
so a technical product manager that I know who doesn't have a background in engineering, but is very technical, he uses a saying that goes, you don't have to be a basketball player to know what a free throw is. Yeah. You know, you can still know the rules of basketball without being a basketball player yourself. And the same goes for software. You can still understand how software is built and what goes into it without being a dev, right? So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So instead of testing for coding ability, a better way to test product managers for technical skills is to focus on the four technical skills that I talked about. So broad awareness of available technologies, being able to speak, communicate, and understand common terms and concepts, being able to think through technical trade-offs, and um, understanding the software development process. So basically, you know, product managers do not need to code and shouldn't ever be expected to code. And knowing how to code is not the same as being technical. Detecting a theme. <laughs> but I've been in situations before with very non-technical people trying to specify database technologies because they've seen some articles on a website or they've just heard something being said in passing and it sounds good to them. And there's obviously a spectrum of like being technical or not technical when you can be at any point on there and i guess what we're saying is that when people are way way down one end of that spectrum they they probably shouldn't really be trying to make any technical decisions at all because they don't really have any knowledge to back that up are you worried that there's this possibility that people could take your program become more technical and then go in with their baseball bat bouldering into the stand-up one morning or into the sprint planning and say hey i know enough technical stuff now and you should do this like, and start really being over specific <laughs> with their solutions? Or do you think that's not really a problem? Oh, gosh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I mean, you know, that scenario does happen sometimes, especially when the product manager was a dev themselves and a part of them maybe <laughs> misses coding and so they want to make the decisions. Yep. But this is not something that I suggest, you know, students do, right? Like to go into one-on-one -on -one combat with a dev team. Like that is not helpful at all. But with the knowledge that students get from the course, they will be able to better come up with suggestions for technical solutions. Now, I do encourage product managers to voice their opinions, right? Not just product managers, but really anyone working with a dev team. Yeah. They should always voice their opinions, of course, humbly and respectfully. <laughs> and most importantly, they should know what they're talking about, right? Otherwise, devs will just not listen. <laughs> but, but ultimately, the dev has the most context about the application right? So they own the how. Yeah. So product managers should be part of the conversation. They should contribute their ideas, their suggestions, but ultimately let the dev team take ownership of their expertise. Yeah. I guess as long as they keep on the right side of the tracks and they want to be happy and no one's going to be arguing too much with anyone else. But if you consider like the golden journey of skip level, so someone starts out, they they enroll on the program, they, they go through the process, they come out the other side, hopefully with some nice certificate, and they've kind of got to level one of what it is you've got to offer. What do they then go and do? Like, is that them done and they're just kind of fine and they just kind of pick everything else up as they go? Or is there like a future path for them via you or via some follow-on service that you'd recommend to them? Yeah, well, I want to first say that success looks a little bit different from person to person. Success isn't going to be the same for everyone. And it depends on their skill level and the expectations of their job or what their goal is, right? So for example, success might look very different for technical writers versus someone who's in a client-facing role. And uh, that just needs to be able to coherently speak and explain technical concepts 
versus someone who is a non-technical startup founder that just needs to be able to interview a CTO, right? Yeah. So ultimately, again, my, my goal for students is to come out and be able to fish for themselves, right? Be able to ask the right <laughs> questions and then comprehend what's being said to them or what they're reading or what they're looking at. So that no matter where they move in their career, whether that's looking for a new job or working with a dev team, and if a new technology comes out, they can feel confident in their ability to figure things out. Makes a lot of sense. But I guess you've had a few students going through this already, like you've been running this for a bit now. And I'm assuming that you've had a few people come through and finish the program and go on to do whatever it is that they do in their jobs that they've got or the jobs that they get afterwards. Are there any testimonials or kind of stories that stick out from the people that have come through the program that, that really make you think this has all been worthwhile? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've actually been blown <laughs> away from some of the unsolicited messages that I've gotten and the testimonials I've gotten. So I just had a student in the Skip Level program. He's a product manager. And last week, he sent me a direct message after he had finished a course. And he told me that he used the knowledge he got about software architecture and software diagrams to create one for his team, for his product, because one didn't already exist. Oh, wow. And that the engineers loved it. And this was something <laughs> that he wouldn't have been able to do before skip level. So it wasn't just for the team, but he wanted to use a software diagram because he was having trouble kind of visualizing the system. So it was also just, you know, for him, but it's just kind of useful for the entire team. I had another student who was a business development manager for Amazon Web Services. And after she finished the first section on cloud computing, she sent me an email and said, I finally understand the difference between EC2 and ECS. And <laughs> that it was so much easier to understand than the internal Amazon training. By the way, I have taken the internal Amazon training. It is very verbose. It is very difficult to actually understand. <laughs> so for her to say that she actually now understands EC2 and ECS, which is, you know, pretty high level stuff is absolutely priceless. And she said it's absolutely priceless. So this was information that was directly related to her work, right? Her job. Yeah. I had another student who has a background in strategy and he has zero, and I mean zero experience in tech. <laughs> so Facebook suffered an outage and I had written a post about it on LinkedIn and it had a lot of technical concepts, right? Some technical jargon. The student comments and said, I cannot believe that I actually understood the majority of what you wrote. And before <laughs> skip level, I would have absolutely been scratching my head. So, you know, this oh, student you just needed a place to start. Yeah, he needed general context and a foundation. And so that's what he got, right? That's success for him. The last student was uh, one of the students that I taught live, and he was a newer product manager. And one day, and this was after he took the course, he texted me and in all caps, he said, one of devs just asked me if I can merge into live. And I actually understood him. <laughs> I cannot believe it. So the same student. I hope he didn't say um, no. <laughs> yeah. I hope he said yes. Yeah. And, you know, so that made him really excited that he actually yeah. understood and that he didn't have to make something up. Right. The same <laughs> student also started interviewing for a new PM role. And one of the questions that he got was, how much do you know about the software development lifecycle? Yeah. And guess what? That's an entire module in the skip level program. There you go. Knew a lot. And so he was able to confidently answer, I know everything about the software development lifecycle. 
Oh, excellent. So it sounds like you're uh, already fighting a good fight and bringing everyone up and making them more yeah. effective at their jobs, which is fantastic. Fighting the good fight. It's worth it. Fighting a good fight. But imagine that someone hasn't started with Skip Lover yet, or maybe they can't afford it, or you know they just need a little bit of advice to, to get them started before they come along and find you. So some product manager who's sitting there struggling a bit to build that relationship with their dev team, maybe not so confident in their technical skills. Aside from advising them to sign up to skit level, what's like one piece of advice you'd give these people to get them started and maybe help them build a little bit of their own confidence? I do have a few actionable tips that I share. So I'll share one of these tips here, and this is one that I really love. And this tip goes for everyone. Anyone can use it, even if you're just interviewing or you're just starting out or you know, you already have a job in tech. So instead of taking a coding class, you know, because I rail against, you know, taking a coding (laughs) class in order to be more technical. I remember that, yeah. (laughs) Right. So instead of taking a coding class, take a few tutorials from popular cloud computing services. So cloud computing platforms offer many services and tools, and each of them come with their own tutorials, right? So some popular cloud computing platforms, I suggest checking out. Amazon Web Services, Firebase, Azure, right? Some of the tutorials can be a little bit advanced. So I do suggest starting off with the simpler ones. And as you go along, if there are any concepts or terminologies that are used in the tutorial that you don't understand to do just a little bit of research on them. And this is a lot better than taking a coding class because it exposes you to more parts of the software development lifecycle. So for example, How do I set up infrastructure? How do I pull down a code base? How do I edit the code base using a virtual control tool? How do I commit the code? How do I ship the code? How do I use a database, right? I do have a few recommended tutorials to start out with on the Skip Level website, and it's on the resources page. So skiplevel.co slash resources. There you go. Excellent advice. And what's next for Skip Level then? I mean, have you got any plans for world domination or maybe reverse taking (laughs) over the Amazon training program? Yeah, world domination. <laughs> no, I think Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are working over time in, in that department. I don't <laughs> think they'd be happy if I joined. Yeah, so a few things. Skip Level is actually working directly with teams and companies to train the employees. So we've recently been training product management teams at different companies. There are also bigger plans for the Skip Level community. Currently, only those who enroll in the program can join, but we will be opening up a smaller section of the community to everyone who wants to become more confident in their tech skills. There are plans for technical workshops and live Q&A sessions with me, other tech mentors and product managers and non-technical startup professionals. So yeah, stay tuned. It's going to be a wild ride next year, but I'm super excited. (laughs) And uh, I guess that's my version of world domination. There you go. Well, you can only dominate the world if you start dominating bits of it first, right? (laughs) Yes. Start small. So where can people find you after this if they want to chat about technical stuff or talk about skip level or maybe even sign up? So the best ways to find me are on social media, Twitter and LinkedIn. My handle is I am Irene Yu. That's I-A-M-I-R-E-N-E-Y-U. My DMs are always open and I love connecting with and hearing about people's stories. So definitely reach out. The other way to reach me is through the Skip Level website at skiplevel.co. If you click on the talk to the instructor button, then you can book a time with me to chat about your career goals or find out more about Skip Level. Sounds good. I'll make sure to link that into the show notes and hopefully you'll get a few more 
technically incompetent, but soon to be technically competent product managers coming your way. Well, that's been a fantastic chat. So obviously really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your thoughts, opinions, and maybe some of the ways that we can all be better being technical. Obviously, we'll stay in touch. But yeah, as for now, thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much, Jason. This was super fun. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you found the episode inspiring and insightful. If you did, again, I can only encourage you to pop over to onenightinproduct.com, check out some of my other fantastic guests, sign up to the mailing list or subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and make sure you share it with your friends so you and they can never miss another episode again. I'll be back soon with another inspiring guest, but as for now, thanks and good night.